Well, it's a stormy day today, and I'm in my car. Summer is here, and so kids are in the house, but I've got 30 minutes before work, and we've got a show to put out. Cue that intro. This is the Life Truth Network. Welcome to Life Truth Presents, a clean fiction podcast. If it's clean fiction, it's fair game. My goal is to come alongside Clean Fiction Magazine over at cleanfictionmagazine.com. They sell their quarterly publications on Amazon. If it's not the type of thing covered in CFM, I want it to be here. That gives you, the listener, access to even more clean fiction. You could even hear interviews, game reviews, featured audio drama reviews, and some of the dramas themselves. I want this to be big. Welcome to episode 9 of Life Truth Presents, a clean fiction podcast. Woo, that rain is coming in, isn't it? And so are the sources of clean fiction. They keep coming in. So we've got to keep delivering. Oh my, that's some heavy rain. I'm going to have to walk in in a minute. Here's Amy Lynn McConaughey to tell you about Clean Fiction Magazine. Hello, my name is Amy Lynn McConaughey, and I am the publisher of Clean Fiction Magazine. Wonderful reads for the quirky and discerning book lover. Clean Fiction Magazine strives to place amazing clean fiction in the hands of those who would enjoy it. We specialize in indie fiction and small presses, which means that the books you find here you may not find anywhere else. If you are interested in reading a Christian-based publication that reviews and promotes both religious fiction as well as clean secular fiction, you have found the right magazine. In the summer edition, you will find the genres of fantasy and fairy tale, science and superheroes, romance and real life, mystery and history, illustrative fiction, which include things such as comics and manga, as well as audio dramas and audiobooks. You can find Clean Fiction Magazine online at our website, cleanfictionmagazine.com, on Facebook as a group called Clean Fiction Magazine, on Instagram at Clean Fiction, or on Goodreads Clean Fiction Group. In the summer edition, other than the high-quality reviews, you will find three serial stories, six micro-stories, special devotions, poems, and articles. You can subscribe directly to Clean Fiction Magazine at cleanfictionmagazine.com under Editions. Well, I put in some headphones. Hopefully that will filter out some of this rain noise. At least some of it. Because it was, it was nuts a while ago. Today we are going to review Ozma of Oz by Radio Theater Project. Look for the links in the show notes. The genre is fantasy. Dorothy returns to Oz and meets new friends. Old friends will appear as well. And thus, Radio Theater Project has done it yet again. There's plenty of action here. There's some fighting. There's nothing bad. You know how hard it is to find a show now. 
with nothing bad. No romance or religion. Uh, as with all odd stories, the story does have magic. However, it has no bad language, no drug use. Um, this is definitely something you want. Uh, if you like the Oz series especially, you're going to want to hear it. Uh, if you've heard other radio theater project uh, episodes, especially the Oz ones, um, and you enjoyed them, this, this is another one you're going to want to listen to. Um, the rating, uh, if we were in Clean Fiction Magazine, it would be in. Because, folks, I don't have a content warning for this. I don't have, there's no alarms. It sets no alarms. You know, the, the, the closest alarm, I can say, if, if you're really um, sensitive to magic use. But, folks, I want to tell you something. This isn't real. It's a fantasy world. And even Christian authors, for example, C.S. Lewis, and uh, even modern Christian authors like uh, Ernie Lawrence Jr., uh, they use magic, but they do it in a way that actually puts a, a focus to God on it. Um, now, I won't go as far as to say that that is in Oz. Oz is just a fantasy world, and that's how that fantasy world runs. Our world is real. And God has set things in motion so that if we try to seek out extra power, it's basically we're trying to go around God, and we cannot do that. I know some people are going to frown on magic, but, uh, and, if, you know, if this was real life, I'd agree. <laughs> I'd be like, we need to stay away from this. But, folks, it's a fantasy world with a fantasy uh, setting. And, you know, kind of fantasy rules applying. So I've, I'm not so worried about it. Now, if it was some kind of dark, you know, or demonic situation, uh, yeah, that would give me pause. But this is, this is not that. Um, this is basically your typical fairy tale style stuff. So, uh, yeah, no warning, no content warning. No, no alarms have been set off. This is rated in if we were in Clean Fiction Magazine, uh, but because this audio drama is made, I think, more for kids, it's here instead. So, yeah, that's Ozma of Oz. Back to me in the studio. Wait, there is no studio. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Hey, wait, wait, wait. Thank you, me. I really appreciate the review that I have just brought myself. You know, the spring 2023 edition of Clean Fiction Magazine has been out already for a bit. And uh, the staff here are getting ready for our summer edition. As a matter of fact, summer edition's finished. So with that in mind, let's officially start summer 2023 season of Life Truth Presents. Today, we hear the first ten chapters of Protectors of the Book, an audiobook I wrote. And I also placed an article about it in the spring edition of Clean Fiction Magazine. So let's hear it, shall we? This is the Life Truth Network.
Protectorate Productions presents a Lion's Den audiobook and drama podcast, Protectors of the Book, an allegorical fantasy by Nathaniel D. Caldwell. Chapter 1 The world of Orithea was known by many to be of the land of the elves. It had lush wooded grounds for miles in one direction, but towering cities in the other. Travel between worlds, while not entirely forbidden, was indeed frowned upon. There were outside influences that could damage elven society, or so it was said. The elves were not short people. They tended to be rather tall, and their ears were most distinguished, often meeting at a point on the top. Not every elf looked the same. There were many facial characteristics that would change, but it was hard to mistake an elf for something else if you knew what one was at all. If there was any form of elven religion, it would revolve around some form of the worship of or dedication to fate. This was done to varying degrees, however. One religion said fate was all-encompassing, while another acknowledged free will, at least to a point. On the surface, the religion seemed harmless. Peace reigned, and there was no desire or need for violence or war. There were problematic individuals, but those were dealt with in the courts not unlike many other worlds. There was, however, one dangerous sect, the Cult of Fetero, or Fate's Doom. This belief revolved around an ancient being known as Fetero. In the language of Orithian elves, the word had a meaning similar to Fate's Doom. Fetero was believed to have been the purest form of fate. The power he was said to have granted his followers was unlike anything Orithea had ever seen. However, it was also said that Fetero was the most vile of beings, capable of the most cruel acts, and thrilled at the opportunity to torture any living soul. But that was ages ago, and no one knows whether the stories were true or not. No one had seen Fetero in millennia. Some believed he was somehow trapped, kept away from the elven people for their safety and prosperity. Others believed he had abandoned the world for whatever reason. There had not been a cult of Fetero in over a thousand years, at least. And even then, it didn't have the power that it would have had in earlier times, if there was any power to be had at all. Jadith Fates had no religion. If fate was real, that was fine. If not, that was fine too. He would live his life the best way he knew how, and do what he thought was right in his own eyes. He was young, and he was going to enjoy his life. He didn't want to harm anyone, but he wasn't going to give his freedom up to any sort of religious code. To be honest, he despised organized religion. He didn't treat anyone badly. The stuff just left a bad taste in his mouth. Literally, oddly enough, when anyone started talking religion he'd get this odd feeling that he might be sick. When not in school, Jadith would explore the land. He'd take months at a time to go places where he'd never been. His favorites were out-of-the-way places. The fewer people who had been there, the better. He loved his little adventures, which every year seemed to be getting bigger and bigger. One year, he was camping on the beach of an enormous ocean. The next... He was so deep into a cave system, it had taken him two weeks to climb out. That didn't bother Jadith, though. He loved every second of the adventure. 
School was ending for the year, and Jadith was trying to figure out what to do next. He'd done so many things it would be difficult to top, and he always wanted to one-up his last trip. He wouldn't settle for less than a previous adventure. It always had to be bigger and better. To be honest, this year he was stumped. However, this didn't deter him, nor did it depress him. He had time to think it through, and he knew whatever the journey he embarked upon would not disappoint. Now, Jadith's home was above an establishment called the Purple Pheasant. This was the place where everyone in Jadith's hometown went to enjoy a special meal or just the company of good friends. Jadith had but one friend. Samuel Marino was abnormally short for an elf, but was always of a sunny disposition. He had come from the wooded regions and only in recent years found himself in the cityscape of Jadith's stomping grounds. Marino adored it. The loud noises, the wondrous smells, even the occasional near miss from a carriage traveling too fast down the pathway. He could not get enough of the city life. So Marino didn't often travel with Jadith away from the city. He was, however, always waiting to hear of his adventures upon Jadith's return. So where are you going this year? Marino asked his dearest friend. I haven't figured it out yet, Jadith responded. I'd usually hear of some off-the-wall tale by now and be on my way investigating it. This time, he continued, I'm stumped. Marino had a gleam in his eye. It's a good thing I had my ears open then. Jadith looked up in surprise. You mean to tell me you've heard something of adventure? Marino simply nodded eagerly, smiling the brightest beaming grin he could muster. You? Jadith asked again, just to be sure. The city elf heard of an adventure for me to explore? Out of the city? Marino simply said, Yes. Chapter 2 Jadith Fates looked his small friend up and down before finally speaking once more. So are you going to tell me, or do I have to earn the information somehow? I wouldn't do that to you, Marino frowned. Jadith touched his friend's shoulder. I know, I was only teasing you, my friend. Marino smiled. I was here late one night when I saw two strangers pop in and sit in one of the corner booths. Marino glanced around before continuing, just making sure no one was eavesdropping. They talked in low voices, but... I was close enough to hear, and short enough not to be noticed. Jadith simply nodded, imploring him to continue. They weren't elves, Jadith. That got his attention. Are you sure? I'm sure they didn't have any elven ears I'd ever seen. Not one point, not a rounded tip, just round all the way. And short, not long. I've never seen ears like that. And their faces didn't look right, either. Jadith thought this odd. But off-world visitors weren't unheard of, only rare. Okay, so what were these two talking about? One of the old ruins to the south. Apparently, it used to be an old temple. So? Jadith asked. Marino's purple eyes lit up as he responded. An old Fatero temple. Jadith nearly dropped the honey water in his hand. I'm listening. Chapter 3 when Jadith arrived at the old ruins, he noticed the buildings did not age well. There were pillars lying flat on the ground or leaning against walls, which appeared to be mostly crumbled as well. Even the ground had massive cracking and even some gaps that looked as if they were many stories deep. 
one wouldn't want to accidentally fall into one. Jadith wasn't sure where to begin his exploration. He wasn't searching for anything in particular, he thought, so it probably didn't matter where he started. That, however, seemed to make the decision worse. Any choice would prove to be a fantastic adventure, but there were no guarantees he would find anything. It was at this point Jadith noticed the air was still. There was no breeze at all. Everything around him had an eerie silence. No birds, no insects making the chittering noises. Nothing sounded at all. He couldn't even hear his own breathing. The silence was so unsettling he had to say something to make sure he was making noise. Hello, he said. He was sure he had said it. But when he spoke, no sound came. Now the thrill of adventure had worn off. Now Jadith was terrified. It was time he left, and quickly. He turned quickly to go away from the ruins. When his foot became stuck in one of the crevices in the ground, he tried to pull his foot free, but it now would not give way. He tried to scream for help, but no sound came. His arm was right next to a leaning pillar, so he tried to pull against it to get some leverage. However, this only caused the pillar to fall toward him. The pillar barely missed Jadith, but its impact only weakened the ground more, and the ground began to shake. The crack his foot was in began to expand. He was able to remove his foot, but when he tried to run away from the quake, he was met with excruciating pain. He could put no weight on that foot. He could not run, yet he had run out of time. The ground opened up, swallowing him whole. Jadith woke from unconsciousness. He looked up to see how far he had fallen. It was several stories. Even if his foot had not been injured, there would still be no way to climb out. He was stuck down here for now. He figured he might as well make the best of it. He looked around and found a rather sturdy metal rod. He found it made a rather good walking stick to take the weight off his bad foot. He had come here to explore, and this was as good a time as any. Chapter 4 The architecture of the underground structure was nothing like Jadith had ever seen. It seemed as if someone had built on top of this, never bothering to destroy the previous building before placing their own. The above style and the style of where he was now were vastly different. The style down here was dark. It felt evil here. He whistled nervously. He continued walking when he suddenly realized he was hearing sounds. He heard his whistles, and he heard the echo of his steps. Whatever was blocking the sound above was not working down here. But what would cause such a strange happening? It couldn't be natural. He had heard of the magics of the old days, but his parents had told him of the dangers they had presented. Almost no one used the old enchantments anymore. Magic had too high a cost. Those who worked with powers beyond their understanding often found the same were beyond their control. Often those same powers ended up controlling the user. However, whoever had enchanted the runes above seemed to be long gone. That had to be powerful magic to last after the caster left. Something about that made Jadith more uneasy than he already was. Who would cause silence to reign in an area? And why was that silence not also here 
where he was now. Jadith had found he had wandered into a round chamber filled with old pots and containers. He was unsure what the vessels had once held, but most of them were completely empty now. There was, however, one large clay jar that stood alone on a raised platform. It was decorated with bright images of sunlight and beautiful scenes. Jadith had never seen anything like it. He walked closer to the vessel, hoping to get a glimpse of it in better detail. He had definitely found something here. This is the kind of artifact that would sell for so much gold that he may never have to work again. He smiled widely. He would have to pay Moreno handsomely for sharing this place with him. He reached to touch the vessel, and he heard something. Hello, he called, but heard no response. Yep, I'm going nuts, he said to himself. He reached again to touch the vessel before, but again he heard something. It sounded like someone had hit or broken something. He called out again, but again no response came. He shook his head and reached to touch the beautiful clay jar once more. This time no sound came, but he felt a surge of electricity, as if he'd just been shocked. His hand flew quickly away from the jar. This thing may be worth something, or it may not, but it's sure a dangerous piece of pottery, Jadis said to himself. He knew he should leave it, but its beauty kept him transfixed. He couldn't bear to leave such a remarkable find. It was then that Jadith heard the voice. Chapter 5 Jadith thought himself crazy when he first heard the voice. Then he noticed that every time the voice spoke, the pottery in the room clanked, as the room itself seemed to shake. Who touches the vessel? The voice boomed. Jadith opened his mouth to speak, but then thought better of it. It might be time to exit the room quickly. He turned, but then found a hidden door slammed down from above the doorway, sealing him in with whoever it was. Who dares ignore my voice? The voice was getting angrier now. Jadith shook his head. There was no good solution, but it seemed he had no choice but to answer. I am Jadith Fates. Jadith Fates, the voice continued, to be ear-splittingly loud. You have made contact with my vessel. Explain yourself. Sir, it was just so beautiful that I had to touch it. Is it beauty you seek? Jadith thought for a moment before answering. It is. Beauty and adventure. It seems you have found both this day, the voice responded. It has been a rather unusual day indeed, Jadith answered. I may have bit off more adventure than my feeble constitution can handle. You are afraid of me then? I have to be honest. I am afraid, Jadith admitted. Laughter seemed to emanate from the clay jar. And right you should be, Elf. You have found yourself in the presence of the great Fatero. It would seem all the legends he'd heard were true. Immense power seemed to come from the jar now. He felt as if it may explode soon. Please, sir, Jadith begged. I mean no disrespect, nor did I mean to disturb you. Disturb me, Fatero responded. You have come at a most opportune time, Jadith Fates. I have been sealed in this jar for millennia. Finally, I can be released. 
Again, I mean no disrespect, but uh, the legends I had heard of you were of one who was evil and cruel. I'm not sure I should release that kind of being back into the world once more. Jadith expected anger, rage. He expected to be cursed at. Neither happened. Instead, the voice answered him calmly. Those who do not understand me tend to misjudge my motives and actions. I have great power, and I aid those who follow me. But those who come against me, should I not defend myself? I wouldn't think you would be in danger from the likes of us minuscule elves, Jadith said. Perhaps you are right, but it is not myself I defend. It is my followers. That seemed to make sense, but didn't he just say he defended himself? Jadith wasn't about to question the being. He thought it might be a bad move, resulting in injury or worse on his part. Oh, all right, he said. Should you release me, I will grant you great power. What would I do with great power? Jadith asked. I want to take nothing over. I want to be no conqueror. I simply want to be. Perhaps that is so, but think of those you could aid, the sick you could heal, the evils you could stop. Release me, and I will send you as my messenger throughout all Orathea. Jadith thought for a moment. Now that did sound like adventure. If he was truly given power to heal the sick, to top evil men, perhaps it would be worth releasing Fatero. However... What if Fatero was lying? Legends did say he was evil. After all, would wisdom not call for discretion here? He felt the internal struggle between his desires and what seemed to be common sense. What he didn't feel, what he didn't sense, were his hands reaching for and opening the jar, almost as if they had a mind of their own. Fool! Fatero exclaimed. Did you not think that I had the power to make you release me? You came very close to my vessel, so close that manipulating your limbs was no difficult task. Now I own you. Now you are my slave. Jadith stood perfectly still, frozen with fear. Did you not promise to give me power if I released you? To make me your messenger? You did not release me, elf. I used your limbs to release myself. However, I will indeed make you my messenger. You will no longer be Jadith Fates. You will now be Fateroth. But, but Fateroth, that word means slave of fate. I am fate's doom and yours. You are my slave. Thus you are truly Fateroth. Are you just watching? Do you enjoy watching movies? The special effects, the interesting characters, the great stories. There's a lot to enjoy that comes out of Hollywood. But sometimes it's best to approach secular media with a healthy dose of critical thinking. Join me, E. Franklin. And Tim Martin. As we discuss our favorite movies. And share critical thinking for the entertained Christian. So visit areyoujustwatching.com to subscribe. And don't just watch. Chapter 7 Jadith felt himself changing. He was still an elf, but as he found a reflective surface in a nearby wall, he could see his face and ears becoming taller, and his hair changed from brown to solid white. 
Jadith knew, no, he was Phaedroth now. No one would recognize him if he was ever even able to get back to anyone he knew. He knew he was in trouble now. There would be no escaping such a powerful being. What would happen to him, to those around him? He was truly terrified. The being known as Fatero now stood before him. He was massive. His form took up a large portion of the chamber they were in. But Fatero would not be trapped anymore. With one fling of his arm, the entire roof of the chamber flew off, revealing more underground ceiling. It gave the creature enough space, however. The creature known as Fatero bellowed to the one now known as Fatroth, his slave. I shall send you above to herald my coming. Warn those who meet that no resistance will be tolerated. Only two choices are given. Obedience or death. Before he realized what had happened, Fatroth was no longer in the chamber. He was once again above ground in the old ruins. However, he now heard sounds. Whatever protection had been placed here, Fatroth knew he was responsible for destroying. All because he got too curious, too close to something that should never have been tampered with. Chapter 8 Not far from the ruins was Old Town, a small village of people who stayed behind when many left to plan and build a larger city. The village didn't have much in the way of trade, just an old tavern called just an old tavern called the Woolly Caterpillar. The place seemed deserted, and Fateroth wasn't convinced that was a bad thing. He feared what would happen if he met someone along the way. Fatero did not seem the sort to ignore passers-by. He was angry. Fateroth could feel it. He could also sense that these people were somehow related to the evil monster being sealed away in the jar. Suddenly, Fateroth felt himself lose control. He could see what was happening. But no longer did he have a say in what his arms or legs or anything else did. What was more, a bright beam of energy shot from the white-haired elf's hand into the old tavern of the village. The explosion that resulted was massive. Fateroth felt his bodily control return, and he was aghast at the thought of what had just happened. He didn't want to look. He didn't want to know. But he felt it was his duty to be aware of anyone that could have been harmed or killed. He slowly walked toward the demolished building. All he found were bones and fire. Fateroth felt as if he might become ill. However, his weak legs suddenly began walking on their own, carrying him, not allowing him to stop for any way of easing his tortured gut. Apparently, Fatero had more to do. And Fateroth knew that he would not like anything that resulted from the monster's control. Chapter 9 Mile after mile, Fateroth walked, no town in sight, until he reached one that was actually abandoned. Surely, Fateroth thought to himself, there's no way we can cause any significant problems here. He was wrong, dead wrong. His hand made a fist, and he shot it in the air. Then his finger pointed at the sky. Suddenly, a black vortex began to swirl above. The blue of the sky was no longer visible. 
Whatever this was, Thetroth knew it couldn't be good. What kind of evil would come from this strange anomaly his hand had been forced to form? He had to get away before Fatero could do more damage through him. Could there be any hope for escape? Fatero's massive form levitated toward the vortex. Come, my Fatroth! Our next conquest awaits! With that, his form entered and went through the black, swirling sky. At that point, Fatroth felt Fatero's control lessen, then ease completely. At the moment, he was free to do as he willed, and he had no desire to enter that vortex. He knew this could be his doom, but he had to chance it. Fatroth had been commanded to follow Fatero and enter the vortex, but the evil monster had not directly controlled him this time. Why? He had no time to stay to figure it out. Fatroth had to run away as far as he could get before the beast realized he hadn't been obeyed. And run, he did. Chapter 10 Fatroth wasn't sure how far he had run. He wasn't sure where he was. All he knew was that he had to keep going. He had to get as far away from that evil as he could. One thing he knew, however, was that his thoughts on life had changed drastically. Things he thought just myth had now turned out to be true. They had always been true, and his belief was not needed to make it so. This caused him to ask himself, What else have I been wrong about? If magic and such terrible evil creatures, at least this one, are real, what else is? He would have to examine his beliefs closely from now on. Fadroth stopped for a moment to look where he was. He had run all night, and day was dawning once more. Something about it seemed more vibrant than before. It was as if the beauty of the daylight and the things found therein were enhanced or at least very much more appreciated. He thought he was getting the most out of life. He had gone on countless adventures, done many amazing things, seen many wonderful sights. However, there was something about a newfound freedom that made him appreciate everything else so much more. Then he felt a familiar presence, and an unwelcome one. Fatero's voice rang in his mind. So you think yourself free? You may have escaped my power momentarily, but don't count on it being permanent. At first, Fateroth was terrified, but then he realized that the creature hadn't taken over. If he was following what Fatero said, that monster's power was limited. He was free, and he planned to keep it that way. It was time to keep moving. Wherever the beast was, he was not close enough to do Fateroth harm at this time. Therefore, he had to get his bearings, find food, shelter, and rest. It would do no good driving himself to exhaustion. Today we're interviewing Tony B. Richard, and instead of prattling on, I'm just going to let's go to the interview. Tony B. Richard recently found two of his books from his series Earth's Secret Alliance in the spring 2023 edition of Clean Fiction Magazine. Today we have him here with us. Let's find out more about him and his series. This story is great, clean science fiction. I'd like to know why you personally chose to keep things clean. While so many books 
sell well while littered with profanity and who knows what else? That's a good question, and it's not a short answer. I write clean fiction because I like stories that a family can read together, and there seems to be less and less out there. My stories are for all ages. I want kids to be able to read and enjoy as well as adults. More importantly, I want something that they can do together. I don't think profanity is necessary. Why would I want to say something that might offend somebody or I might be embarrassed about later? What if children hear or read it? Does anyone want to share stories with their kids? I mean, it's getting to the point where you can't even watch Star Trek without swearing. Two of my published books have main characters who are 19. Another has one who is 26 and another 45. My two works in progress are a 12-year-old and one over 60. And now I'm trying to combine them into a novel. <laughs> what kind of category will I put that into? Similar to Dune, I originally head-hopped between characters because I didn't know that readers might find it confusing. I was a computer programmer, not an English major. So I broke it up into several pieces, novellas, each starring a different main character. And now I'm bringing them back together. I hope you and your family really enjoy them. Why science fiction? Is there a reason you went with aliens? I'm a big sci-fi nut. That said, I didn't pick the story. It picked me. The story haunted me for decades, and I had several false starts. But it's finally coming together. I love Star Trek, Stargate, Star Wars, and my stories combine all three. They basically write themselves. What inspired you to do this in the way and genre that you chose? Some years back, some of the Roswell files were declassified. And I thought, what would happen if they said that aliens did exist? What if they tried to bring the general population up to speed? Who influenced you in life? Uh, Jesus is my biggest influence. Do you see it in my writings? I do see that in your writing. I see it in the choices of what you chose to put and not put on the page. I think my wife is my second biggest influence. She was the one who wanted to be a writer and encouraged me. My parents, brothers, and sisters taught me right from wrong. I was lucky to have good teachers who cared. And the biggest influence in my life is TV. My family knew that if they wanted to talk privately, they could turn the TV on and I wouldn't hear a thing. So tell us a little bit about the series in general. Our Secret Alliance is a what-if series. What if aliens did land in Roswell in 1947? And what if we made an alliance with them? From there we go on to, why would they come to us then? What would we do with the technology if we had it? I just keep asking myself these questions, and answers pop into my head. The hidden purpose in the stories is to give the reader the concept of guardian angels. One youth pastor said, that sci-fi fantasy may not appear to be Christian, but they often give readers the concept of the supernatural, and God is supernatural. Yes, he is supernatural, and C.S. Lewis even uh, wrote a science fiction trilogy as well. I haven't read it yet, but I want to. Same here. I purchased it, but it's on my TBR list, and I mean to be read, not my initials. How many books are you planning in the series? Currently, I have four novellas published, three in progress. And I'm combining these first six novellas into one novel. This is just the start. I see several spin-off series. 
an entire universe with endless possibilities. Would audio drama be a concept that you'd be interested in? You know, I, I have my hand in that one a bit. An audio drama would be really good. I like Adventures in Odyssey. I have three audiobooks, but decided not to produce more novella audios, as people don't want to waste an audible credit on one or two hour books. I was never really happy with it and wanted more voices and sound effects. I wanted an audio drama. Maybe we can do that with my novel. Well, we aren't a huge audience, but I'm no stranger to doing a series. We can talk off air about this, but who knows what may be to come in the world of clean fiction. That sounds really good. I'm looking forward to it. And there you have it. Tony B. Richard, ladies and gentlemen. Sounds like we may be hearing more from him, perhaps in more ways than one. Today, for a classic, it's classic in the sense that it has been around for a very long time and taught many valuable lessons. But in all honesty, it is modern in the sense that they're still going. Talking about a show that's been around since the 80s. And it's still going. Folks, if you have not heard the phenomenon of a show that is Adventures in Odyssey, done by Focus on the Family, you need to go check it out. And the thing is, is there's so much out there. Just search Adventures in Odyssey uh, or Focus on the Family. Um, you'll find it. It's not hard to find. But if you haven't heard any of the episodes, pick a start of a season. You can actually buy the sound files for your uh, you know, uh, Apple Music Player or your Google M Music Player or whatever. It'll play, you know, they sell them on, like, I guess it's still called iTunes, the, the, the music store. Um, you can get it there. Uh, I've gotten it. I've gotten one episode there. It still, every once in a while, will pop up in my player. So, uh, it's out there. Um, as a matter of fact, in your search, what you're going to find is there are free episodes out there. Well, the rain stopped, and I'm out here just finished going over my sermon. Found myself wishing and praying that somebody actually heard it out here in the back. Not because of who I am, but because of the message that, that it, it had in it. Especially at the end when I give the gospel. You always want somebody to hear that. Fiction is great. It's got adventure. It's got romance. It's got comedy. And can even teach a lesson. But it is not an end-all be-all. And that's why every episode I like to share. A non-fiction for you to sink your teeth into. Today I want to tell you about Quest for Truth. Which is a show Keith and I do. Uh, we take the Bible. We look at the world around us. And we see how... The good book, still relevant today, can be applied in our lives as we live in this world. To hear it, all you got to do is go over to life-truth.com and look for it. It should be front and center, very easy to find. If you are a Christian podcast community or Life Truth Master Feed podcast subscriber, either one of those, you're already set and it's coming your way. You know I 
when I preached my sermon, I talked about how to God, all man or every man is valuable. But we are marred by the rebellious, sinful background. Uh, our sins have torn us away from God and we are all sinners. And that's, of course, because all the way back, the first man sinned and we, oh joy, got to participate in that sinful nature, one we don't want to participate in. But, but let's be honest, we've all decided to go our own way at some point. We've all known the right thing to do, but decided to do something different. That's called rebellion. It's sin. And the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. And that's referring to a spiritual separation from God. That ends up in a lake of fire. So all mankind has intrinsic value to God and it would be a waste for that valuable man, any valuable man, to be thrown into a lake of fire. And that's why it is so important that we ask for God's forgiveness, that we turn from that sin in the attitude of repentance. And we, you know, ask for that forgiveness and we trust Jesus Christ because he died on that cross for us and he rose from the dead so that we could have life. And, and when Jesus did die on that cross, he looked and he saw Jesus on the cross. You know what he saw? He saw my sin and your sin. So that for those who trust Christ, when God looks at me because of the sacrifice Jesus made and because I have trusted Christ and that sacrifice has been applied to my account, when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. That is an amazing trade. And it was done to rescue us. I like what somebody said. I, I don't know who said it. It was a podcast I listened to recently that talked about how, and I think it was on one of the intros to Todd Friel's uh, Wretched Radio. And, uh, but whoever it was, was, it was awesome. It said, we were, we needed to be rescued from God's wrath. God had to rescue us from himself because of our sin. And through Jesus, those who trust Christ are rescued. Thank you for listening to Life Truth Presents. To find where you can hear or read or communicate with all that good stuff, our guests, the featured nonfiction, the featured uh, classics, all of the above, go to the show notes. Check it out. Uh, Nathan Caldwell, that's me, can be found at life-truth.com and is also a writer and reviewer for Clean Fiction Magazine, which can be found at cleanfictionmagazine.com.